When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois. Welcome to the Inside NC State Athletics Podcast, powered by PNC Bank, the official bank of NC State University and Athletics. Now, here are your hosts, Tony Haynes and Jeff Grabley. NC State's Carter Finley Stadium has been sitting vacant all alone for the last month, but that's about to change. It will change on Saturday night as finally, finally, the Wolfpack returns home to its uh, friendly venue for an ACC football game, and Louisville will be the opponent on Saturday night. They'll kick it off at 7.30, and uh, we urge you to listen in to our pregame coverage on the radio broadcast, and that always begins two hours before kickoff. In this case, that means 5.30, and it will be the seventh night game for NC State this year. Bank on it. You're playing under the lights if you're the pack. And I'm predicting now the Florida State game, which is a six-day hold. Right. That, too, will be a night game. Because I think it's got to be either 3.30 or 7.30. Yeah. I'm betting 7.30, another night game in Tallahassee. That's 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 my prediction. Well, Jeff Gravely, uh, I'm Tony Haynes. What are you? Do you have a prediction on that one? You know, it wouldn't surprise me. All the night moves the pack's been playing, and, you know, it, it makes it for a tough return trip, particularly if, wow. uh, if you return home after an L. But. Tell you what, Tony, sitting here in the office at uh, Vaughn Towers and watching the guys this morning get out there and stripe the field, they're 
already laid down a new fresh seed. The, the field is emerald green, those white lines, putting the numbers down, getting the wolf painted at, at midfield. At, I guess we're going to have a home game finally on Saturday yes. night. It looks and like the field, the field looks immaculate from your office window, does it not? It does. It's like when we were doing the radio show Tuesday night. You know, you sit there and there we're in the booth and there's this beautiful green field out in front of you. It's just, I'll tell you what, the, the, the fellas on the turf management team here at NC State all across the board do an incredible job. So because you look at just about every field that is played on looks immaculate. That field looks so good. Sometimes I want to take a pitching wedge down there and <laughs> hit some shots. Just go ahead. Go but ahead. We'll Ray see. Brinsfield would ring. That's what I was about to say. Wait, we will see how quickly you, uh, you're apprehended like yes. a streaker oh, at the 20 yard line. Oh man. That, that's a That's a, it's artwork. It truly is it what they really do. That is. Meticulous yeah. artwork. Mm -hmm. They, they work on it just about every yes. day. It's, it's amazing to sit here and watch every day what is being done to make sure that on game day, it looks spectacular. Yeah, say what you will about NC State, but we know how to grow grass. Hey, turf management, baby. Absolutely. One of the best in the country. In fact, I go back to uh, many years ago when I was broadcasting Duke games, and Fred Goldsmith was the coach. This may have been 94, that great game they had at Carter-Finley Stadium that went back and forth, and the pack came back and won it. <clears throat> Terry Harvey brought him back. But uh, Duke never had a good field. Right. You know, they got field turf now, uh, which was a good move for them because for uh, Duke, you know, they could turn out doctors and lawyers, but they can't grow grass at Duke. <laughs> they haven't figured that science out. And they always had one of the worst fields when I was there. And I remember – that uh, that game in 94 when the duke bus pulled up down to the old field house and i was down on the field waiting for those guys to show up and uh coach goldsmith came over to me and i i, I can hear him now with that southern drawl of his and he says now this was a football field i'll tell you <laughs> exactly, exactly. Oh, he loved it he loved the field so uh well, a tip of the cap to the grounds crew at Carter-Finley Stadium. They always do a fabulous job, and it's nice to actually have a football game going on. And this is, by the way, the Inside NC State Athletics podcast, which is powered by PNC Bank. We all show our Wolfpack pride in numerous ways. One thing I do, I make purchases with my PNC Bank Visa debit card, which is designed just for NC State. Believe it or not, it even has the university bell tower on the front of the card. I have it in my wallet everywhere I go. And PNC customers, existing PNC customers can request one of those cards as well. And then you can make purchases anywhere Visa is accepted, which is basically everywhere, right? It's the perfect way to show your school spirit. So visit any local PNC Bank branch or PNC.com to learn more. PNC Bank, official bank of NC State University and athletics. Visa is a registered trademark of Visa International Service Association and used under license. PNC Bank National Association member FDIC. So welcome back to another podcast. And this is episode what, Jeff Grabler? 6464. Mm. Yeah. I think I know who the player is that wore 64. Yeah, you kind of get up in these upper numbers, and we're going to eventually probably <laughs> work our way out of the, the athletics numbers game because you kind of eliminate some sports or minimize some sports no when you question. get up in the 64s. 
Yeah. Uh, Eventually, so, we're going to have to skip this. You know, we're going sure, to do the numbers game, right? Uh, yeah, that's true. So I'm going to go. Uh, let, let's salute number 64 from the Green Bay Packers. Got to be great right guard Jerry Kramer. Yes. Well, the old Lombardi Packers. Another yep. thing, when we're matching up these numbers with legends who wore those numbers, it's it's like it's a darn good thing that you and I are old timers. Because we tend to go way back. We go into the way back vaults. Well, I kind of like that. Guys. Yeah. But, I mean, you can't deny it. The Green Bay Packers and Jerry Kramer, Bart Starr, and we'll forget the Ice Bowl against the Dallas Cowboys. And it was Jerry Kramer who threw the key block, right? That's right. Who opened the hole for Bart Bart Starr to win the Ice Bowl? It was Jerry Kramer, 11 seasons, two-time Super Bowl champion, three-time Pro Bowler. And uh, so we're going to go with uh, Jerry Kramer. And, and I remember him, too, after his career. He did some media work, and he, d- he did some writing. He did some broadcasting. He was really good. He was. Mm-hmm. He was just really good. So I'll give him extra credit for being a good broadcaster media person. He was that? that. And he was one of the anchors, the old Green Bay sweep. Yeah. You know, we're still in this era of football where uh, a lot of fans think that you can't be predictable on offense. And to a certain degree, that's true. Uh, but a, a football play, a well-executed football player does play does not need to involve deception in order to work. Execution. The, uh, yeah, it's about bad execution. And teams knew the Green Bay Packers are going to run sweep left, sweep right. But they knew it was coming half the time, but that didn't mean they could stop it. Right. They practiced over and over again, and Vince Lombardi demanded perfection. And when it came to that famous Green Bay sweep, Packer sweep, uh, they they were able to get yards because they had good players, good backs, good offensive line, but they also executed. Yeah, and I think, you know, execution is the key to the whole thing. And I think particularly when you're talking about the running game, one missed block here or just a late block here, one – you know, shield that doesn't get out there in time, it, it makes it doesn't work. And that's that's why it's a thing of beauty when you have these plays that do work, whether they're for 10 yards, 20 yards, 80 or whatever, when you can watch it from the inception and go to the point of succession. I think it's an it's a fun game within the game to watch how it unfolds, particularly for me. That's why I like to watch replays. What really happened to help this yep. play be successful? And I think that's the perfect segue to our conversation coming up here because I, I ran some numbers and we brought it up with coach Doran on his radio show. Um, when we pre-recorded that on Tuesday night, I wanted to get his reaction to these numbers. So I dug them up and NC state's five wins. The pack has averaged 37 rushing attempts per game. Mm-hmm. It has averaged 33 passes in the five wins. That means they've got roughly a 50, 50 ratio run to pass in the wins and the losses it's twice as many passes, 46 passes and 23 rushes. So not knowing what kind of reaction I was going to get from coach Dorn, I just wanted to throw out, throw it out to him on the radio show. And I thought he gave a great answer in that, as he pointed out this day and age, those numbers don't mean as much as they might have when we were running traditional I formation football. He says, because in college football, teams run so many of these RPOs, run pass options, which are called running plays. However, 
if the defense is loading the box, the quarterback then has the option of pulling the ball out of the belly of the tailback and throwing the football. NC State runs a lot of RPOs. Miami had a bunch of them in that game on Saturday night, the win by the Canes 31 to 30. So that makes a lot of sense. Because you can you can look at this in the two losses. It's a little deceptive that the pack has averaged 46 passes to 23 rushes because many of those passes, maybe half of them, came out of RPOs, which are initially called as running plays. So that was a great point by him, and I think it was interesting to hear him talk about that. Then you throw in the other element that you brought up uh, on the radio show as well. You know, Mississippi State, you're, you're kind of, you know, you're behind, you feel behind. You, you feel like you need to pass the ball. I think at Miami, they did just load the box. And I just think their their defensive front was like, okay, if, if you're going to run between the tackles or try to run on us, we got another thing for you. And, you know, I, I, I think that's why you saw uh, Devin Leary with 310 yards passing and, and on the ground, you know, NC State got 111. But you're right, those two, two games that are two losses are their two least amount of rushing. Uh, 111 versus Miami, and then 32 against Mississippi State. Now, you know, they had a, they did have a rushing touchdown on Saturday, but it was Devin Leary. Leary. The last rushing touchdown mm -hmm. by Bama Ricky was the Louisiana Tech game. Wow. So, so it's been a, been a while since those running backs have been in the end zone. Um, you know, good, bad, or indifferent, I think you're right. The RPO has a lot to do with that, as Coach Dorn said. And I think another thing, too, is – when you get this deep into a season, teams have a lot of tape on you, a yep. lot of film on you. They, they kind mm -hmm. of have studied. And I think one of the things that's been pointed out in a couple of the broadcast and a couple of observations that, that we've kind of looked at, and it's even in their game notes, is how much they run to the left. And why wouldn't you with Iki Aquanu over there right. on the left side? Now they've got Chandler Zavala out of left guard, but Dylan McMahon moves from right guard to left guard. And he's played that position well uh, this year. And it's not the first time that he's had to play it. They did it early in the year to work on the rotation so they could keep fresh offensive linemen in there. Well, now you've got McMahon at your left guard. You've got um, Eason at your right guard. And as Coach talked about last night on the radio show, it's the injury to Zavala has kind of messed up their rotation on the offensive line, their depth on the offensive line. You're still going to have McKay come in, but I think it's going to be interesting moving forward when these guys are playing so many snaps, how effective they're going to be in a run uh, running situation. And it's something to keep an eye on. I think teams have kind of, okay, well, let's see, let's try to slow down these runners and make the passing game beat us. And you know, the, the thing about Saturday night, Tony, the passing game was good enough to beat Miami. There were just a couple of plays that were not executed properly. And that I think is the difference in a one point loss and a three, four or a seven point win. Yeah. With this defense, when they go out and score 30, as they did on Saturday night, they expect to win. Sure. 30 would yeah. normally be enough. Yeah. Enough points for this team to win. It is interesting. You develop tendencies and now you're moving into week eight. As you say, you have tendencies. Teams have scouted you. Uh, they want to exploit your weaknesses. They can find some holes. But the other thing they look at, okay, what do they like to do when they need four or five yards? What's their favorite play? And we know the outside zone run left for NC State, especially when the ball's on the left hash mark. Bingo. You know, when, they, when they cut that field down and you've got the boundary, which helps a team that 
tends to be a little bit more physical than the defense and you got a great left tackle, you run the outside zone play uh, towards the boundary on the left side. They've done that a lot. I mean, I think back to the first game against South Florida, you know, state dominated the game 45, nothing. But you remember there was a drive in that game where the ball stayed on the left hash in the third quarter yep. and they just kept running the same play over and over and over again. But that was South Florida, right? Not Miami. No. And, you know, I thought Miami did a great job of taking that away. They were taking uh, first and second down. They were pushing their defensive end on that side, straight up field. And that was his first Icky, step. Yeah, Icky really couldn't get to him. Yep. And he, he was running to a spot, almost running to a spot as if to expect that play coming his way. Don't become so, engaged with Icky, right? Right. Take yeah, the step yeah. away, the first step away, as opposed to the first step in. Yeah, they were penetrating, they were getting upfield, and they were just kind of chopping that outside zone play up. And, you know, NC State has to counter and start going to other things. They did in that game, and, and they will in future games. The funny thing is here, so teams are looking at the NC State offenses as, you know what, we got to load up the box, we got to make them throw. On the flip side, it's completely opposite. What are teams doing against the NC State defense now? They look at the stats and they see the pack leads the ACC in rush defense. Nobody's been able to run the football. So the idea for the opponents now, when they have the ball against the NC state defense is what, what Miami did, right? Chuck it, Air it out, That's start right. throwing the football and try to throw the ball over the top. And the Canes had a lot of success with that on Saturday night. They did. And I think that's something we're going to see moving forward. Um, we may not see it as much in the Louisville game because well, yes, they, they have as a dynamic running of quarterback as you're going to want to see. That's going to be, you know, we talk about the loss of Isaiah Moore and the loss of Peyton Wilson. Saturday, I think, will be – it's the first time they've faced a dual-threat quarterback. And I'm telling you, this guy runs as well as any quarterback you'll find and is hard to bring down. He's going to be a beast to try to defend. He's, you know, as you mentioned in the radio show, he's – Leads the ACC in scoring. It's not a kicker. It's a quarterback. Right. He's playing really well. Malik Cunningham is playing really well. And it's Coach Dorn even said, you know, we haven't seen a quarterback like this since we played Liberty last year. And mm -hmm. we remember what Malik Willis was like. All right. So that's another Malik. Yep. It's just like He's Devin's. Devin, Devin, and Devin and Devon. Bring well, it on. The Louisville game notes say they say Malik Cunningham has 12 touchdowns. The ACC notes say he's got 13. Hmm. Either way, that's a lot of touchdowns midseason for a quarterback. And then, as you said, normally you look at who leads the league in scoring eight games into the season, seven or eight games into the season. It's usually kickers. But here's a quarterback that's getting into the end zone with frequency. And, boy, it really helps your offense to have a quarterback like that in the red zone. Absolutely. You know, that condensed area of the field where it's difficult to run the ball, it's difficult to throw the ball, but man, you add that dimension of a running quarterback, zone read, he can scramble. Um, you know, we had it here with Russell Wilson. We, we saw a great example of that when he was at NC State. So it really helps the offense in that condensed area of the field when you got a quarterback can run it. You know, when, when Malik Cunningham was here two years ago, 2019, he really did more damage throwing the ball. Right. Yeah, he made some big plays in the passing game. The cards were able to pull away in that game in the second half by throwing the ball down the field. They had a lot of success hitting on some big plays in the passing game. But this team seems to want to get it done with the running game. And the last week against Boston College, Louisville ran for 331 yards. 
They had over 200 yards rushing in the first half. Yeah. And much of that damage was done by the quarterback. And I'll tell you too, they run at some time, sometimes they will run a true option, a lead option yep. where they Cunningham will take the ball from the, on the shotgun snap and he will go directly to the, def, to the edge and you either going to take him or he's, or you're going to take the pitch man. And it, it is a true option that sometimes that they will run. And we saw them. And I think it's led to their effectiveness in the run game. And then you throw in a guy that called his name many a night on football Friday, Travion Cooley out of Nightdale High School. Last week had over 100 yards, a true freshman. Um, so they can run the football. And I think that's going to be the discipline for state. You know, to, back to your point, and I didn't mean to get off on it, but you were talking about how Teams are like, okay, we're going to throw on NC State. Can you cover us? Can you defend us? And I think they will see that from here on out. I don't know that Louisville will do it because that's so out of character. I think they're going to try to establish the run first. But, Tony, from here on out, we're going to see. And then when you talk about Florida State with Jordan Travis, he's going to do try to the same thing. But I think you're going to see teams say, all right, can you uh, defend the pass? And some games NC State has done a great job. Last week, I didn't think they did a very good job defending the pass. Well, you wonder now, though, how moving forward, how does it affect the rush defense with Isaiah Moore out? Mm. I mean, think about all the stops made by Drake Thomas and Isaiah Moore yeah. here through these first seven games. Defensive linemen doing their, doing their part by keeping those two wrecking balls clean, keeping offensive linemen off of them. That's how you stop the run. Your defensive line kind of ties up the people in front of them. And then your linebackers, really good linebackers, as we see, they go downhill and they attack the ball carrier. And I, I would, I think you have to say, uh, it's safe to say this, that Drake Thomas, Isaiah Moore together were the biggest oh. reasons that NC State was is still leading the ACC in rush defense. And in fact, the play on which he got hurt, Isaiah Moore, that was a classic Isaiah Moore play on the on the run i mean he was coming downhill attacking the ball carrier and he got his knee turned sideways a little bit on the play and and came out and eventually we learned on monday that he's going to be out for the season uh with that uh that knee injury but now you know your concern is not only the rush defense without isaiah moore in there but it's going to affect their pass defense as well sure now you take away his ability to rush the passer and then Miami salted the game away on Saturday night, you know, third and 16, they got the ball to the tight end. And he was open because one of the young linebackers made a mistake in coverage. Right. And as coach Dorn told us on the radio show, they don't get that play. If Isaiah Moore's in the game. Great point. But you know, that's, that's what happens. And Tony, and I think this is not going to replace Isaiah Moore, all no. the things that he brings to the table. We had Freddie Autry Lindsay on the radio show. And, you know, he was honest about it. He says, this is a guy checks all the boxes. There's no one player on this team that can do all the things that Isaiah Moore brought to this NC State defense. And, you know, he can continue leadership. He's been at practice. He's been in the meetings. You know, when he can, he'll be on the sidelines during the game. But um, at the same time, how many times, Tony, have we seen him on the field to be able to translate something that he sees and immediately go up and, you know, slide a defensive lineman a little bit or talk to either – you know, either a linebacker and, and get them out or, or whatever. He just has an instinct that Tony Gibson talked about, says you you don't you rarely see in a player. 
He studies film ad nauseum. Coach Doran already said he's going to be a coach. Isaiah's going to be a coach. That's mm -hmm. in his future. And, and, he's, and you're right. You hear that phrase all the time. Well, he's a coach on the field, coach on the court. Literally, Isaiah Moore is. And this compounds. You know, I've, I've been worried throughout the season. When would it start to show its head, losing three defensive starters and C.J. Clark, Peyton Wilson, and Cyrus Fagan? And they have been able to overcome that. I think a large part is because of the combination play of, as you mentioned, Drake Thomas and Isaiah Moore. Now you take one of those out, you've weakened, you've weakened the link on uh, another degree. And I'm anxious to see if who, who is able to step up and not fill the shoes that Isaiah Moore has, but kind of who, uh, what group is going to be able to fill the role that's going to be missing. There is no doubt about it. It's going to be missing. Now you have two of the top linebackers in the ACC not being able to play for the first time this Saturday. I think it's going to be interesting, and considering you're playing a team that runs the ball so well, like Louisville, with a quarterback who loves to run the football. Well, they're going to have to do it collectively. You know? No question. And, and it's, like, it's like Freddie Autry Lindsay said, there's no one player that's going to replace Isaiah Moore, no. be the leader he is, as Grant Gibson said a couple of days ago. Isaiah Moore is the voice of our team. Mm -hmm. He was the voice of our team. He was the most respected member of this NC State football squad this year. He was undoubtedly the leader of the defense. But when the, offensive, when the offensive players start saying that, that tells you how important Isaiah Moore was for the entire operation. I was at practice on Wednesday morning. He was out there sitting in the golf cart, and uh, he was in good spirits. And, and Coach Doran says that his voice can still be a powerful tool. Even though he can't be out there physically, he can't play the game, um, he can still help younger linebackers. So I'm sure that uh, Devon Betty and Isaiah Moore are going to be having a lot of conversations this week in the film room, especially when they're watching film. And Isaiah Moore is going to contribute to coaching him up. And they, 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 the thing you worry about, Devon Betty, he's physical skills and we've seen a demonstration of that sure. the last couple of weeks he's made some plays he had the safety in the boston college game and he made a, a couple of nice plays against miami what you worry about with the younger linebackers like that is just bringing the what you miss with isaiah moore is the consistency you know and he's not going to make the mental mistakes right in fact isaiah moore probably graded out as high as any linebacker in the acc of the country simply because he was always able to read formations, understanding personnel groupings. He understood what teams are trying to do to you and how they attack you. That's that's how you play fast, right? Because you know you 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 already know where you're supposed to go, where you're supposed to be. You know, uh, a younger linebacker like Devon Betty is not going to have those same type of instincts because. You know, Isaiah Moore's played a lot of football, and Betty's just getting started in his career. Yeah, and I think Coach uh, Doran mentioned this too: is you know the kind of the 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 load of responsibility that the Mike linebacker has in this defense. It's it's tremendous, and I think I think that's where, and even Drake Thomas alluded to this in the post game after Miami. I've got to I have to be more vocal. I have to be more uh, assertive, and I think you'll see that uh, whether he's playing Sam, Mike, Will, wherever, I think you'll see a more vocal Drake Thomas. And he has played that position before. And there are multiple guys who've played multiple linebacking positions and they're trying to teach as many of them as they can to learn as many of those positions as they can 
and try to figure out what's the best combo now. What are the, cause, cause really it is a three person operation as far as you're talking about the linebackers and, you know, you hear offensive linemen always talk all the time about takes a little while to start working together and mesh together and know whose tendencies, what this, that, and the other, it's the same way as those three linebackers too. So you're going to have three linebackers out there that have not played a lot of football together. And I'm anxious to see how it unfolds, but I do think you'll hear and see a little bit more from Drake Thomas. Not that he's had a, he's had a year to remember himself. Now let's, let's not forget that. But I think this adds a little more weight to his responsibility plate than even he had before. Well, from here on out, every game's like a playoff game. No question. Everybody's talking about, okay, how many, are you going to win? What's what record do you need to win the Atlantic, go to the ACC championship game? It's too early to tell, but we know this, if the uh, pack was able to run the table and win the rest of them, that would include a victory over Wake Forest, which right, right now has the upper hand with an up, uh, unbeaten record and ranked 13th. We know NC state still controls its own destiny. Uh, but one thing you can be sure of, you better hang on to your hat or your helmet or whatever it is you wear on your head. Or, or, I think or other, all of these games are going down to the wire. No, no doubt about it. You, you know, know the the win at Boston College that was kind of an aberration. Yeah, you know, NC State got the two turnovers in the third quarter and was able to pull away, but you're not going to see games like that the rest of the season. No. You know, what you're going to see is what we just witnessed over the weekend, Miami. You know, it's a one possession game, thirty-one nothing, and we can think in the fourth, third, and fourth quarters. Uh, several plays had NC State made just one of those plays, probably walks out of Miami with a victory, right? Yep. It, and you look at Louisville, for instance. Louisville's coming in here. Let's take a look at some of these scores. They beat Florida State September 25th. That's a one possession game, 31 23, right? Mm -hmm. Next week, they lose to Wake Forest and Winston, 37 34. Yep. Three point game. Next week against Virginia. Cardinals lose by one to UVA, 34-33. And then the Boston College game uh, at home, a little more comfortable for them as they beat the Eagles 28-14. Somehow, Louisville wins that game despite turning the ball over four times, which is almost unheard of. But then, again, that shows you the importance of a dominant running game. It does. You can up the line of scrimmage and rush for 331 yards. Occasionally, you can get away with four turnovers, which they did last weekend. Yeah, and I think they've been a team that has, has as far as the turnover margin, has improved. They're at even right now. Um, I think it's 12-12 or 11-11. Whereas a year ago, Tony, they were minus 12 in the turnovers. I mean, they mm -hmm. they that was – Louisville and Duke last year, it was almost a contest to see who was going to turn it over more in the ACC. So they've been able to fix that a little bit. And their pass defense, you look at that, they give up uh, quite a few yards. They're kind of next to last in the ACC and yards given up on pass defense, but they're also too, they've got nine picks this year. So they, including a couple last week. So they will get after your receivers. They will play physical with your receivers. And I'm anxious to see the response in the bounce back mode that NC State's receivers have this week because the bigger receivers have an advantage this week. It's what Coach Doran said last night. He said they have smaller defensive backs at some 5'10". We've got to use our bigger receivers and, and make it uh, use their advantage in height, which would be Devin Carter, which would be Emeka Mezzi, and even possibly uh, C.J. Clark. Uh, not C.J. Clark. Um, C.J. Riley. And so I'm anxious to see how they are able to utilize 
those bigger defenders against the smaller uh, defensive backs at Louisville. So as you mentioned, I think all games are going to come down to the wire. So if you're an NC State fan, get ready. And if you're an NC State graduate, you are making a difference in North Carolina and around the world. So why not tap into the strength of the pack? Membership to the Alumni Association enhances your career, broadens your network, and provides exciting opportunities to howl back with your pack. Visit alumni.ncsu.edu to join your alumni association. So the muffed punt by Miami last Saturday. Yep. They muff it. Then they pick it up, fumble it. <laughs> They're called for a penalty. So they essentially have two fumbles and a penalty on the same play. All wiped out by offsetting. Penalty. All wiped out by Anthony Smith's helmet popping off. He got, it got ripped off on the it fumble. Didn't pop here. off. Got ripped off. It got ripped off. And Shimko lost his helmet too on that play. I went back and looked at it again. So they had two guys that lost their helmet on that play. Well, that's one of the fluky plays of the year. So it's two opportunities for NC State to fall on a fumble. Yep. But, of course, it's not to be. As right. I posed the question to Coach Dorn during the radio show on Tuesday night, uh, do you have a feeling the football gods have decided that your team should not recover a fumble this year? It produced a chuckle. <laughs> yes, it did. <laughs> he said, What I'm... are you going to say? It's crazy. It is. And that's NC what... State ranks, I think I saw somewhere in the de in game notes or something that NC State ranks dead last in the country in fumble recoveries. Well, but think about this, how flukish that is. Is flukish sure. a word? Sure it is. It's certainly fluky. Yeah. You're talking about one of the better defenses in the country through seven games. So it is a fluke. It's a really good defense that stops yep. the run. Yep. They intercept passes, but the ball's not getting on the ground very much. And when it is on the ground, for whatever reason, they haven't been in the right place at the right time. Finally got a fumble recovery at Miami, but unfortunately, the player who recovers the fumble didn't have a helmet, therefore ineligible to recover. That's what I'm saying. The football guys are saying, no way, NC State, you're not recovering fumbles this year. <laughs> yeah, the, the one that they have recovered was went for a score. <laughs> the scoop and score at Boston College, the drop punt. Yeah, that's right. So you wonder about that. Yep. You're always due, right? It's like, when you, it's like a when good shooter that. in basketball. Coach, I yes. was due. You know, you were 0 for 12. That's how I was due. <laughs> yeah. When you see a lopsided statistic like that, a stat that just makes no sense whatsoever, that means you're due along the way. And maybe mm -hmm. Louisville will be loose with the football again, or Louisville will be loose with the football again this week. Yeah. after turning the ball over four times. So That, that would be good. So let's talk about – Social media for a minute. Okay. The good, bad, and the ugly. Ooh. Because social media is all three of those things, right? Yeah. It can be a cesspool to swim in. Correct. A cesspool of negativity and other things. Yep. No, the one good thing for me, social media, is you can get information in real time mm -hmm. very quickly. That can come in handy. You and I like news, sports yep. news. We like knowing what's going on most of the time. So you can get information in real time very, very quickly. But then on the flip side, you know, we saw some examples over the weekend, especially for Devin Carter, the NC State receiver, who had a couple of drops, a key win late in that game. 
and he was viciously attacked on social media. People were saying, you stink, and I'm not saying this. That's but that's, you, that's you look at it, I'm version. putting it mildly, right? Yeah. Claiming he lost the game. You, you don't know that. I mean, he could have caught that last pass. They'd have gone down. The next play, they may have turned it over. Sure. Or maybe they get sacked and taken out of field goal range, or they get a penalty that takes yes. them out of field goal range. Maybe a guy catches the game-winning touchdown pass, but he lost his helmet along the way, and so it didn't count. Right. Now, all these things I just said sound crazy, but they all happened over the course of that game. So the good thing about a team and this team, they're tight, and it is a cliche, but they live it every day. You win as a team, you lose as a team. No question. No one individual loses the game. Right. And, you know, I go back to the, the, the Kyle Bambard miss kick at Clemson in 16. I mean, the guy that... received threats of bodily harm. Yes. Yeah. I mean, yep. what's wrong? Why do people do that? I know the game's important to you and you're upset after a loss. I appreciate the passion. Sure. But attacking a college kid at that level because he missed a kick or in this case dropped a pass. Well, let's put it, you know, let's pull it together. Right. If, if you're someone who has never made a mistake in your life, you may feel like you have a right to do that, but I guarantee you, Every one of us have made multiple mistakes in our lives. And I think, you know, I, I know Devin Carter worked all week last week to drop two passes that he should have caught. <laughs> yeah. I know Christopher Dunn worked all off season so he could go out there and miss three field goals against Clemson. I know that. Come on, people. Really? Look, I know and I love the passion of fans and sports, mm -hmm. but I think it gets out of hand sometimes. And I wonder if people just do it for attention. Do they, would they say the same thing to this person face to face? No, I highly doubt it. Or do they want to just be that one that's really cute and getting the attention, the likes, and even the people that come after them after making an idiotic statement on social media, some people just love that attention, but I'll tell you what, Tony, I think this, I think you saw how immediately leaders on this team came to the defense of Devin Carter. You mm -hmm. saw how they came to the defense of a lot of things that didn't go their way. They talked about going back to work, going back to the lab. And I think that's the mentality that you need. If you think you hurt after a game like that, as a fan, think about the people that put all the time and effort into it, that get up mm -hmm. in the morning to go work out or come to practice and then go to class yeah, they really want to get out there and stink up the joint. That's that's the whole goal. And I'll never understand that, but I'll, I'll just say this too, Tony, and I'll let you take over from here. But um, if some of the, some of the so-called NC State fans or even fans across any sport, I'll just throw that out there. If, t if your favorite team quit as quickly as you did, they'd never win another game. That's not what is needed right now. There is still an opportunity for this football team to play for the ACC championship. And that has to be as disappointing as, as Saturday night was, as coach Dorn said, our guys were in pain and I'm talking deep pain. Mm -hmm. And as much as that hurts uh, you as fans understand that there's still a lot to play for. And I think the thing you need right now is support and not having somebody out there talking about death threats and what they're going to do to somebody. That's just, that's just not healthy at all, at all. At practice earlier on Wednesday, I talked to some people 
um, involved with the program. And they said that that locker room at Miami was maybe the most devastated locker room they had seen. Mm. That's saying something. It is. I mean, the guys were crying. They yeah. were bawling in the locker room. That's how upset they were at losing that football game. So, yeah, always remember that. As upset as you may be after a game, believe me, the people who are investing their entire lives and trying to win every, every game, they are more upset than you are. Yeah, fans have every and, right to be mad after a game. Absolutely. absolutely. Sure. No question. It's part of it. But it, it is. Uh, yeah, these guys, I mean, they were, they, the word devastation was used multiple times with people I talked to down on the practice field to describe what they witnessed in that locker room in the aftermath of the Miami game. And, you know, let's, since Devin Carter seemed to be the, the target this past weekend of, of some of the anger and uh, that spilled out over social media, let, let's remember this. Think about that catch Devin Carter made in double overtime against Clemson. It was a great catch, a fantastic adjustment on the football down in the corner of the end zone. The, I don't know what the breakdown of the analytics would tell you, the, but the, the, the percentage, the chances of him making that catch were probably small. I Same mean, it was, it, yeah, well, the BC catch was even uh, more spectacular, but they won that game handily. But my point is, if Devin Carter doesn't make that catch, he's unable to come up with it. Nobody would have blamed him if he'd, had he not been able to catch it because it was a tough ball to grab. He doesn't catch that pass. We may be having a different conversation here about this season. Mm -hmm. We may not have that celebration on the turf at Carter Finley Stadium after beating Clemson in, in double overtime. True. Devin Carter won that game for you with a spectacular play. So let's remember things like that. You know, let's take a, a, a big picture perspective sometimes and think about some of the good things Devin Carter has done for NC State football here really over the last couple of years. I think you mentioned it earlier as you talked about the good, the bad, and the ugly of social media. I think there is the good, the bad, and the ugly of, of plays that guys and gals make. It's just a part of sports. And the unpredictability of when one is going to be good, when one is going to be bad, and when one is going to be ugly is totally unknown. But that's what keeps bringing us back to watch these games right. and these efforts is the, the great unknown of what could happen. And right and now, these athletes, what, and you, what, what could these, happen is NC State could be playing for the ACC championship could. if they respond like they like I expect them to after the loss at Miami. And if these injuries don't continue to just take away all kinds of options that they have to be the best football team that they can be. These athletes spoil us because sometimes they do superhuman things. Mm -hmm. As we mentioned with Devin Carter, he had a superhuman play against Clemson, a superhuman catch against Boston College. Maybe one of the greatest catches we've seen at any level of football, right? But, but then he had a human moment. There you go. A couple of human moments at Miami. So, you know, there's a fine line between superhuman and human. But in both cases, the word human is going to be a factor, right? And so. that's, a, that's a great phrase. I do want to bring up one more thing about as we kind of wrap things up here. Saturday will be a big day. It's not only homecoming, uh, but they're uh, honoring Dick Sheridan. 
who the former NC State coach who will go. He was uh, selected for the 2020 College Football Hall of Fame, is being inducted this year. They didn't have the ceremony last year. So Saturday, he will be here uh, to be recognized during the game. They're having an event for him on Friday, a, a private event for, for him, uh, his family, a lot of former coaches, former players, administrators to get together and, and salute uh, 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 one of the most successful coaches in not only NC State history, but ACC history. I think he's uh, one of the revered coaches in, in this league for a long, long time and would have loved to have seen him be able to continue coaching. But as we all know, uh, due to health circumstances, he had to resign in uh, after the 92 season. So it'll be good to see Coach Sheridan back at Carter-Finley Stadium as he will be recognized for the honor that will be bestowed upon him in December, the College Football Hall of Fame. Yeah, 15 years as a head coach, both at Furman and NC State, <clears throat> the winning percentage at 69.4%. And the Wolfpack, prior to his arrival at NC State in 86, the Pack had posted three consecutive three and eight seasons. And during his first year in Raleigh, he would be named the Bobby Dodd National Coach of the Year and the ACC Coach of the Year after leading NC State to an 8-3-1 and one record. And uh, when he they finally got him to Raleigh, the Pack was off and running. That's really. right. Great program, very consistent run under Dick Sheridan. No doubt about it. And uh, I'm glad he's being recognized for sure. to, for this honor to, to go into the Hall of Fame because, you know, if you think about it, 15 years is a pretty short coaching career. Um, but that's kind of right. the hand that he was dealt and never got back into coaching, never mm -hmm. was able to get back into coaching. But I'm glad at least this, uh, this year he'll be recognized for what he was able to accomplish, not just here, but at Furman as well. And, and here's another thing I, I've, I've had a couple of people say, well, why didn't they recognize him when state played Furman? Um, Coach Sheridan didn't want to do that. Right. He did not want to have to stand there and look like he is rooting against Furman, a team that, you know, that he started his career with and their head coach was on his teams at Furman on the 84 and 85 team that beat NC state. And so he did not want to have, two of the teams that he had coached and he have to stand there and try to figure out it would have been an awkward situation. But so he said, is there any other time that we can do this other than the Furman game? So that's why I wasn't done that day. So we'll do it this Saturday homecoming against Louisville. All right. A couple of things to look forward to next week. We are scheduled to have Tori Holt on with us on the podcast. Oh yes, Tori was with us about a month or so ago. He was great. And he's so fantastic. He's coming back. And one reason we've got Tori joining us on the podcast next week, it's Florida State Week. You think of NC State, Florida State, the number one name that pops into your brain, at least for me, is Tori Holt. Yeah. He had the five-touchdown game against uh, Florida State in 97, and then he was the star in 98 when the Pack beat the second-ranked Seminoles 24-7. So we're going to have Tori on next week to talk NC State, Florida State, reminisce maybe about those games those big games he had against the Seminoles but also have him kind of assess what he sees with this NC State football team it's Look always good to that. listen to what Tori has to say other thing is believe it or not basketball season is about to be in and the NC State men's team has an exhibition game on Monday night at PNC at seven o'clock and we will have a radio broadcast of the exhibition game we oh, okay. often get that question Every year, are you guys going to broadcast the exhibition game? We have traditionally always broadcast the exhibition games because there is a demand for it. You know, there'll be a lot of fans who can't get there 
and may not otherwise have access to uh, the exhibition basketball game. So state will have one of those and we'll have uh, our first basketball broadcast of the year on the network Monday night, seven o'clock tip. That means we'll be on the air at 6 PM. And we look forward to seeing what uh, coach Keats is going to put on the floor this year. It's going to be a different looking team, but it'll be fun to watch some of these young players grow. And you got Casey Morsell coming in from university of Virginia. Uh, I think they have big expectations for him. Really solid player could shoot the ball. So it'll be fun to watch uh, the early stages of the season and see how the pack develops. And then of course, our buddy Wes Moore going to have another great women's team this year. So high yep. expectations for them as well. Pick to win the ACC championship. Yep. And uh, they have stacked that first month that schedule for NC state, the women mile, uh, mm -hmm. November 9th is the official opening night for both the men and women, uh, both playing at home, one in Reynolds, one at PNC Arena. So uh, going to be a lot of fun. Ready to throw the round ball up a little bit, but we're still not done with the with the oblong ball yet. Well, I'm trying to convince myself that sleep is highly overrated because yeah. I do not get a lot of sleep in the month of November. <laughs> Football games, basketball games, coaches shows, coaches Keats will begin his radio show in the middle of the month of November. So a busy month ahead, but it's a fun month if you're a, a, a sports fan. So anyway, Jeff, thank you. Yes, sir. Before the catching up with old Tori Holt next week on the podcast. Everyone listening, we hope you will join us for the next podcast and hope you enjoyed this one as well. And support the pack on Saturday night at Carter-Finley Stadium against Louisville. This is a really big game for this football team. For Jeff Gravely, I'm Tony Haynes. Thanks for listening. And you have been listening to Inside NC State Athletics Podcast powered by PNC Bank. This has been the Inside NC State Athletics Podcast. Powered by PNC Bank, the official bank of NC State University and Athletics. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate. Or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So, do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.